You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 221, Matt, Tommy, and Partnership in the Gospel. This is Foundational. show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. Thank you so much for downloading. I can't wait to share this conversation with you. I, of course, am your host, Eric Nevins. I would love for you. This is one of those conversations. I know it's going to encourage you. And if you haven't had a chance to take this episode and just share it with a friend or, or any episode that you listen to that you love, just share it with somebody. Say, hey, this is a podcast that I found. I think you really appreciate it. Um, I would love it if you, you did that. It would help out. You can always leave a review as well. But if you just share it with a friend or two or 10, I don't know however many people you like to talk about it with. I'm, I'm kind of an evangelist like that. I like to share things with a lot of people. So uh, it, it would mean a lot to to me for sure. And I know that it would help bless them as well. All right. So today our guest, I can't wait to have this conversation. He's an artist, an author, and a mentor to thousands of Christian artists, which I think is really fascinating. Um, he has written six books, which is amazing. He's got a artist, created the Thrive Artist Mentoring Program, and his own podcast called The Thriving Artist, a Thriving Christian Artist Podcast. Our guest is Matt Tommy. Matt, welcome to Halfway There. Thanks, man. So glad to be here. <laughs> I am glad to connect with you, and uh, you've you got a lot of stuff going on there. Tell, that's kind of the broad strokes. Tell me, tell me a little more about you. Yeah, you know, I'm an artist at heart, and so it's interesting. I think once you learn to connect with the kingdom of God that lives inside of you, I think you enter into this thing I've come to call convergence, which is all the things that you love in your life sort of come into this beautiful expression of who God wants to be through you and that's the kind of the season I'm living in right now is I'm approaching 47. I'm getting to do everything in my life that I love, make art. I'm inspiring others, writing, still doing some music, just being the person that God called me to be in addition to being a husband and a dad to a 16 year old Cameron. So there you go. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. And I, so I call that stage. Uh, we'll talk about how you got here, but I call it stage finding yourself in Christ. And that's a season that's really, really sweet and beautiful, I think. And it's really when you're most effective. So I can't wait to hear all about how you like got there. Right. Cause I think that's really, really fascinating. I'm guessing it's a story, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a journey. I think we've all got one or hopefully if you don't have one yet, you're going to get to one after this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, you're on one, you know, you just never know like where you're going. I always think, right. yeah, even, even the hobbits were on a journey before they had to leave the Shire. Right. So anyway, that's uh there we go. Um, so let's, where are you from? Like, I don't even know where, where do you live? I'm from originally middle Georgia, Columbus, Georgia. My family has been down there for since the 1780s. Um, I ended up going to a little college called Young Harris in North Georgia, ended up my final years at University of Georgia, where I met my wife. We lived for 13 years in Metro Atlanta and then decided we were grown folks and could move anywhere we wanted to outside of the city and ended up the Lord led us to Asheville, North Carolina um, in uh, the winter of 2009. And we've been here ever since and just absolutely love it. So Very nice. Yeah. Well, that's good. It sounds like uh, so. You grew, grew up in the South. That's the Bible Belt. Was it was it a a Bible a Christian home or or not? 
Absolutely. My both parents, Christians, come from family of believers, uh, even circuit riding, circuit riding preachers in there. Wow. Some mama was a choir director at the Methodist Church for, gosh, I mean, 40 plus years and uh, choral director at my high school. So we were in church and doing music or doing something creative uh, just about every time, you know, anytime we were awake, we were doing something like that. But the Lord and creativity for me were always really intertwined. So, Oh, wow. That's interesting. So they were always kind of together. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, it was, there was always this understanding that, you know, God wanted me to give my best to that as I express my heart to him, others could be blessed. I mean, my mom, bless her heart. She's passed away a couple of years ago, but she had me up on stage singing when I was like five years old and playing the piano and doing all this sort of thing. So I came by that easy. I had a lot of baggage to get over in my own journey of of performance orientation. And for anybody who is a performer and a musician and a creative, one of the first things that we struggle with that the enemy hits us with, that was the truth in my life is that we start to worship the work of our very own hands, right? We start to believe our, our own press. Mm. We start to think that we're the, you know, our identity comes from what we do, not because of who we are. And, I had a, because of a lot of other stuff that I was walking through in my life, you know, sexual abuse from a, from a family member during my teenage years and really a, a very unhealthy relationship with my dad, which praise God is, you know, restored over the years, but it was just a really rough time. And so my identity was really, really tied up in, in what I did and what other people thought of me. And, you know, being from the South, I called it tap dancing for Jesus. I just, you know, we had to, <laughs> we had to keep the, keep the, you know, the look uh, every great. And we didn't talk about problems and we didn't talk about issues that we had. And so I entered young adulthood and marriage and ministry uh, as a very wounded, confused and, uh, and surface level uh, Christian, not by uh, desire, but just by kind of default because I didn't have any tools really to, to deal with those issues in my life. Yeah. That was kind of the way it was. It sounds like, um, yeah. Okay. Well, how did, so how did your faith become your own? Yeah. I mean, so I think, so for me, you know, I, I was dealing with all this junk going on in my life, a lot of pain, not knowing how to deal with it. Um, love Jesus, you know, the best way I knew how. And at the same time, I was really struggling with, um, addictive behaviors on one side, you know, um, just performance, you know, issues and trying to please everybody, manipulating relationships. So this is really complicated kind of gross existence and, but very involved in church, you know, very involved in, in ministry and that sort of thing. And it all, you know, came to a boiling point in my life where I think for whatever reason, you know, the Lord will allow us to walk through seasons. And then at some point we realize, Hey, the grace is gone <laughs> to yeah. continue whatever, you know, double life, you know, duplicity that you've been walking. And for me, that started happening in 2002, 2003, the Lord just began to really hem me in and, and cause me in a really painful way to start to look at my, my own stuff. And I began to really, um, even though I'd been in ministry, been married, been doing incredible things, you know, for the Lord, it was like, yeah, you can, you can gain the whole world, but, but lose your heart. And that's where I was. And wow. the Lord, I think from 2002 on, and you know, we're, we never leave this process, right? He's been in the process of reforming and recalibrating my heart to one that's based in sonship, not in performance. Yeah. 
a beautiful and a uh, and hard and wonderful journey. <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's sort of what you know why I called the show halfway there, right? Because I wanted yeah. to say. Uh, partly it's one part hat tip to Bon Jovi because I, yeah, who, who doesn't love living on prayer? But if and if people leave singing living on prayer, they'll never forget the name of the show. Anyway, that's my little marketing tool. But but also because uh, I think we're never always on the journey, right? It doesn't matter where we are. Where I early on, one of my friends who I interviewed said to me, "I think even in eternity, we're going to still learn about God because you can't exhaust the knowledge of an infinite God, right? We're always going to be on that." So I totally resonate with with that. I'd love to hear if you want to share it, the story of like what happened. So how, how did that, how did God take you into a, you know, a, a realization of this is, this is who I am. Well, so I started realizing early on, I was pretty self-aware, even though I was very wounded, but I was, I was starting to, <laughs> to realize that no matter what church or relationship that I was in with a leader, they all looked and acted and responded to me like my dad. And then I started realizing, Oh, it's not them. It's me <laughs> because uh, I'm, I'm starting, I was interpreting every male leader in my life as somebody that was out to get me, take advantage of me, um, all this sort of thing. And then, you know, you combine that, you know, sort of really wounded interior with this, you know, kind of desire need to be approved of and perform and everything be perfect in your life. And, we just started going, we went through some really difficult situations in church. I got fired from a church. Um, I got, I was at a church. It was like probably the most fruitful season of my life at that point. And then we went through a big old church split that had nothing to do with us, but we just, you know, my issues got pushed, my buttons got yeah. pushed through that. And 2003, we came out of that and I was, I was really just like, screw it. I didn't want this calling from the Lord. I didn't want all this trouble. I just wanted to go. And I told a friend of mine, a, a prophetic friend of mine, I said, listen, I just wanted to, to go make a lot of money and drive a silver Mercedes. I mean, that's, <laughs> I was done with, with ministry. And, um, and she told me, she actually was my neighbor at that point. She came down and, and she said, the Lord is, is giving you an opportunity to fall on the rock, if you will, and to deal with some of these issues in your life. But if you don't, it's going to be seven years of really difficult uh, processing of, of this stuff in your life. And so you got a choice. And that's when I told her the whole Mercedes thing. And so I, I did, I went out, I kind of pushed my relationship with the Lord off. Mm. I went out, um, started a, a marketing company in Atlanta. We did very well. Um, did so well. I brought in a business partner that was a contractor for me at that point. And we started making money, doing great. I mean, in magazines, having great clients, all this kind of stuff. And in one day, all of that went poof in this huge nuclear relational explosion inside the business with me at the center and uh, him and some others. And all of that just went poof and it disappeared and um, got lots, just lots of craziness went on during that time. I remember sitting on the porch of my house at about two o'clock in the morning because I couldn't sleep. And I mean, anxiety, fear, all this stuff, I couldn't sleep. And the Lord brings back to my mind what I had asked for about seven years prior. And that was to make a lot of money and drive and have a silver Mercedes. And I remember then what my illustrious business partner at that point drove, which was a silver Mercedes. Oh, wow. And I got exactly what I, what I asked for in the middle of that. And I mean, that experience was like, and through that, I was trying to, you know, 
come back to the Lord, walk through recovery, through other issues that I had. So I was in this weird place. God was totally at work, but it was a total squeezing time as well. And um, so I ended up shutting down my company, doing what a lot of people, I was just trying to going out, trying to find work, make money, anything I could do, desperation really. And um, in the middle of that, um, got laid off from a company that I was at and was just in the middle of this like crazy, you know, the economy's tanking, um, you know, money is crazy. We're not making money. I'm frustrated financially. What are we doing? We've just had Cameron who's now, you know, four years old or whatever. What God, what are you doing? And I remember uh, sitting in the parking lot of a business I was trying to apply for a job, you know, for and turned down a worship leader job that I had been offered. And I was like, God, what am I going to do now? You know, what am I supposed wow. to do for provision in my life? You know, and all this. And he says to me, um, I want you to go home and lay on the floor and worship me. And your provision is going to come like popcorn. And I was like, well, that makes no sense. You know, <laughs> <laughs> at all. but I did, I went home and I took the next season of time I mean, six or eight weeks and just sought the Lord. Uh, and worshiped and, and just cried out to him. And that season opened up this supernatural season that we've been in for the last, you know, 10, 11 years, which is this season of convergence that I'm talking about of really coming into who God had designed me to be and, um, and the remaking of my identity. And it's been phenomenal, but it, it took, I think, going through the, the very rock bottom squeezing process for yeah. me to get there. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned the Lord spoke to you. Was that a regular occurrence for you? It is. Um, at, at that point, you know, it had not been through that season just because I was really, you know, frustrated and not pressing into the Lord really, but that, that in particular, and then moving forward, uh, that had been, that was a very, and continues to be a very regular occurrence, but you was know, it before that? Like, to, did you learn that as a kid or was that like, like where, where'd that come from? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was funny. Um, we had a, a youth director. I went to a very traditional Methodist church, but then we were, we had a youth director um, who was teaching us all about the Holy spirit and, you know, how to really flow in the gifts of the Holy spirit and hear God's voice and discernment and spiritual gifts and all this sort of thing. So that became kind of a part of my growing up again. I think it's always interesting even in our woundedness, how the Lord is never afraid to release the fullness of the kingdom to us. Oh, he's sure not. Even in our, even in our woundedness. And so, yeah, that was a part, you know, I'd had prophetic dreams. I had had really significant things that the Lord had shown me over the years. Um, but, you know, I, it's just like people that got healed in the Bible, right? I mean, somebody could get healed and then go off and continue to do their own thing. It was, you know, just because you had an encounter doesn't mean that you don't need to be continually filled with, with what God's, what God's saying in your life. And so anyway, that was a, it was kind of coming back, I guess, to who I felt I was. I got up at, he woke me up at 3.09 in the morning, two mornings in a row. And I went down to my studio the second morning at 3.09 and opened up Joel 3.9. And the whole thing is go to the nations and raise up an army. And the Lord said, I'm calling you as a father to artists to go to the nations, and raise up an army of artists. And that again, just was like, whoa, you know, just like way beyond, <laughs> you know, what I ever thought or even anything that was on my radar, but it was through recognizing God's voice and then starting to 
to take steps. Um, because I think as God speaks to you, if you don't take a step of faith and to follow that, that it, that's where the doubt and confusion comes in. And I just kind of learned in my journey, if you feel like it's God, even if you're unsure, take a step and he'll continue to confirm because God directs our steps, not our standing still. Right. Wow. So we're, you know, as we walk, he's establishing our way. So. Wow. That's really good. Yeah. Was there ever a time when you like thought God was leading you somewhere and you didn't follow it? And I didn't call on him. Yeah. Or you didn't follow like what he, you thought he was telling you to do or. Well, I mean, yeah, I think, I think early in my life, earlier in my life and in my journey, you know, there's, I, I really expected that everything the Lord would ask me to do would make sense. And, you know, mm. that it would be the natural next step and that sort of thing. And, even when the Lord moved us to Asheville, um, that I had just gotten this dream, you know, raise up this army of artists. I literally had a lady give me an art gallery. Like, here's the keys. I mean, it's like this crazy supernatural thing. Then it was in a, in a metro Atlanta. Then I started raising up all these artists and we started, we opened this gallery and we started doing small groups and God started healing people. I mean, it was just like incredible thing in the middle of that. All right. The Lord <laughs> sends a friend of mine and says, Hey, we think God's calling you to Asheville. And I'm like, you have lost your mind. I'm like, I'm in the middle of the most fruitful thing that we've ever done. And yet it was totally the Lord. And it became the runway and the platform for which God is doing everything now that he's doing in my life over the last 10 years. So yeah, it, it, it rarely makes sense. But I think, you know, the older you get and the more experience you have with the Lord, you just learn to, you're like, okay if I feel this is the Lord and my wife and I are at peace with this and you know, we're going to go for it. Yeah. How did you know it was him when you moved to Asheville? Well, I mean, we had a lot of prophetic confirmation in our life. I mean, just crazy stuff was happening. Just, you know, people speaking things to us and leaders in our life. And, you know, we had, we definitely had a piece from the Lord. We just started seeing all the puzzle pieces um, come together. Sure. And he was, you know, in prayer was speaking to me about, you know, the next phase and that sort of thing. And there was also a grace to leave, which I think, you know, like I just went through this transition of leaving, leaving a studio that I've been in for the last 10 years, which is like my second home, you know, and moving to the new place that I'm in now. And I knew 18 months ago, the Lord had started speaking to me about this and there began to be this decrease of desire to be there and an increase of desire to go to the other place. And I've just learned that God births vision out of desire mm. and out of our design. Um, and so as we pay attention to those things in the context of his voice and obviously his word and leaders he brings in our life and our spouse and all of those things begin to make a, bring things to, to clarity. And that's how, that's yeah. how we walk in that. So. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's good because I, you know, for, I'll just tell you a little my story, why I'm asking that, why I'm curious, right? So I grew up in a much different kind of home and much different kind of, it was Christian, but we didn't have any context for the supernatural or for God speaking to us. It was scripture only all the time. So yeah. uh, there was no, absolutely no ability or to hear from God, although we would say God probably could, but we had no like context for it. So that's why I'm always curious about how'd you learn how to do that? How'd you like, because I, I don't think we're the only ones. I think a lot of Christians are raised that way. Oh, believe me. Yeah. I mean, I, I think most of my work now in the mentoring program is help people, helping people get over 
religiosity Christianity. <laughs> I mean, just, yes. just to get through the bad teaching that so many people, because you think about the Bible, the Bible is like 80% supernatural encounter. I know, right? <laughs> you know, and yet so many movements, which shall remain nameless, you know, teach that that's not even a thing, much yeah. less that you can encounter the Lord in a, in a tangible experiential way. Man. And so I think when you can pull back the curtain on that and be like, you know, this is normal Christianity. This is the way the kingdom was designed to work. Um, then all, and, and then people can have an experience with that. All of a sudden it's like, Whoa, I can't, I can't go back. You know, my normal has changed. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely, man. Once you, once you have that experience of who the Lord is and him speaking to you, I mean, even this is, is interesting. I'll just share this with you. Like right now I'm having a, just like little, there's little physical things that God will do that I've had experienced him just, I don't know. It sounds weird to say like tingles down my neck. Right. But you know, but like there, there are times when I'm praying and that's, and that's a sense of his presence. And I just feel that while we're talking. Right. So yeah, um, I know that he does those kinds of things uh, for, for sure. It sounds like you were really forged. Like you went through this process of growing up in, in faith, and then getting involved, it sounds like you did all the things, like you were doing the worship. Were you a worship leader? Is that what you did? I don't know if you said yeah, that. I mean, I, so. was, I started leading worship when I was 14 years old. Yeah, yeah. And so, and then became a worship pastor and, and all that. But I think the thing that I learned, and again, on this side of it, I just learned that so many churches and communities have no context for being able to walk through walk with people through woundedness and bring them into restoration and into healing and into wholeness. And so you have so many Christians that are, they're saved, but their soul is still mm. tied up and wounded and traumatized from a bunch of junk that they've gone through. And everybody's just like, you know, at church is just like, well, give it to Jesus. And you're like, well, yeah, I've been giving it to Jesus <laughs> and, I, and I don't, I need some help. You know, I need some real tangible tools. And yes. I think it was until I got both of those things that, yes, give it to Jesus and he loves you. But here's also some tangible tools that Holy Spirit is going to use in your life to bring freedom and maturity and wholeness. That was when things really began to change for me. And that's, I think, my my passion now is, yes, the fullness of the supernatural and, and God doing incredible things through us. And yes, the practical of us leaning into that process mm. um, so that we are giving Holy Spirit something to move in over and through in our lives. So, Yeah. What were some of the tools that helped you? Well, I think, you know, just so just for example, you know, having come from the Methodist background and real traditional background in several different churches, you know, and then coming into an understanding of, this, of the supernatural and that God wants to heal that, you know, God's presence and, and all of that. I kind of, I went to the other extreme, which was like anything that got this going to happen in my life. I just got to wait on God to do it. You know, that it's going to just be like, poof, he's going to do it. Nobody ever taught me, for example, that the Bible says in Romans 12 too, that transformation comes not from the, the special juju sauce getting sprinkled on you, you know, but it comes from the renewing of our mind. That is yeah. as we begin to think different, as we begin to align our hearts and our minds with the truth of the kingdom, that our inner GPS, if you will, begins to come into alignment. Our normal comes into alignment with the kingdom. Well, I didn't know that for 
many, 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 many years, most of my Christian journey, but it was in this process of recalibration that the Lord started teaching me, you know, Proverbs 27, three is a man thinks in his heart. So is he, you know, second Peter uh, one, three, and four, that we participate in the divine nature yeah. through the precious promises of God. So how do I begin to, it's my responsibility to lean into the process of appropriating those things in my life and trust that when I do, God's at work by the Holy Spirit, bringing transformation that every thought, every uh, scripture is a seed that I'm planting. And I get, I get to choose the seeds, the thoughts, the desires that I plant or allow to be planted in my heart. And that has been revolutionary for me. And that's really now just a real core of what I'm teaching artists all over the world. Wow. I love that. Yeah. I definitely think that's, that is true. And I think it's, it's fascinating, especially when you look at some of the people who know that, but they're not believers, right? Like there's that that's out there. So I, I try to, I always make a distinction, you know, personally, I get a little weirded out by things like the secret or, you know, some some of those kind of the, the whole, what do they call that? Um, it's like an attractional, I forget the word. What oh, the, the law of attraction. Law of attraction, yeah. I don't buy that, but I do believe that the way we're made is just like God spoke and made things happen. That's right. So we do. Like we, we, we have the power to create something in someone else by our words, right? That's why you think I do a podcast because I know that oh, really? when we share a story that it can encourage other people and it can do, it can do things. Um, our, you know, I'd be interested in your thoughts on art too, but art, uh, words spoken or written can create something for other people. Um, and it can create experiences. And I I would just say the way I explain this to people is like, you know, talking about the whole, you know, your thoughts and your reality and all that. I kind of liken it to gravity. Listen, gravity works if you love Jesus or if you don't (laughs) love Jesus, it is a a natural phenomenon that the Lord is, is set up. All of us, listen, the gifts of God are without repentance, right? So you can be a super talented person and use that completely for evil purposes, or you can be a super talented person and use that for the glory of God. So I think there are things that are true, this the way that God's created the world, the universe, and set us up, and we can either choose to use that in the context of yielding to him, led by the Holy Spirit, or we can try, and I think what you're seeing on the other side of that with the law of attraction and people, all the new age thought leaders yeah. that sort of thing are, are people trying to use some, some, I mean, some of it's just crazy talk we know, but, sure. but I mean, they're trying to use some things that I think the Lord has set up for us to be able to come into agreement with his best for our life. And yet when you extricate the voice of the Lord and his word and the Holy spirit and all that out of it, then you, you get into a bunch of craziness. And, um, and I think that's what, you know, even I know so many Christians that have gone down that road in an effort to have something happening in their life because dead religion has left them with a form of godliness, but denies the power of God that wants to be at work in their life. And so you talk about art. I mean, I think that's one of the most beautiful things about about art in general and creativity in general is that the Lord kind of uses it as this secret entrance into our heart that that bypasses mm-hmm. the normal mental you know, charades and gymnastics that, that people go through. And so anytime that we create a, a piece of creative expression, whether it's a song, a poem, a book, a piece of art, whatever, I kind of liken it to the artist setting a table. And on one side is the viewer or the listener or the person that's interacting. 
And on the other side, when we invite Holy Spirit in that process is Holy Spirit ready to use mm. that creative expression as this beautiful vehicle of his presence to be able to interact and, and, and meet with a person. And I love that as an artist because my job is kind of like the little boy with the five loaves and fishes, right? I just got to show up with the stuff. <laughs> and when, when I show up with the stuff, then it's, then it's God's job to take and multiply and accelerate and infuse what I'm doing with his presence and with his transformation. Yeah, absolutely. So I hear you talking about partnership, right? And that's the the sort of beauty, you know, it is it is absolutely all the Lord. He does the work, but we participate. You mentioned that passage from uh Second Peter earlier. Uh hundred percent agree. Like that that whole idea of he says participating with the divine nature. Most of us evangelicals don't have any concept of that. You know, like like what does that mean? Well, that seems weird. But wow, you know, we actually, it's actually a really super great gift. And I think art is one of those things. Yeah. That we get to, we get to do and engages the whole human, our emotions and our our bodies and our, you know, and, and our spirits, right. All the, the whole, the whole of what we are. I love that. Yeah. I just, you know, I think at this place in my journey, I'm not afraid to welcome Holy spirit into every part of who I am, my mind, will, emotions, oh. my art, my business, my, it's all his. It's all the kingdom. Every place I place my feet, I take the kingdom. And so, uh, and I don't want to, I've done it by myself. I've come to the end of myself. I don't want to have the God box over here and the business and art box over here and the family box. I've, I've kicked the box to the curb. You know, it's all the Lord. And if he's not infusing and leading uh, everything that I'm doing, then what's it all for anyway? So. Yeah. It sounds like you learned all that during that season when everything kind of fell apart for you. And God was, yeah, cause you learn how good you really are, <laughs> which is, you know, I mean, you know, you can, we all can have a measure of success, you know, but I, you know, whatever you start in the flesh, you got to maintain in the flesh. And I think I love that verse. I forget the verse in Proverbs, but it says, you know, the blessing of the Lord brings wealth without sorrow. And, wow. you know, I believe that God's designed us for abundance, that we're blessed to be a blessing uh, in the earth. But there, if you try to do that in your own strength, outside of the leading of the Holy Spirit, outside of maturing in the Lord, your design, your gifting, you will go and create a big mess, all in the name of doing something for God. And I think there are a lot of Christian business people and people out there that have really great intentions, but because they've not learned to partner with the Holy Spirit, partner with the voice of the Lord uh, and follow that lead in what they're doing, that we get out there and create these Ishmaels that now what are you going to do with this thing? Yeah. You know, you, you created this whole big old thing for God. And it's like Jesus said, listen, I only do the things I see the father do. Right. And that's really all we are supposed to do. Right. I need to say yes to Jesus every day in line with my design. And for me in this season, that's being a husband and a dad and an artist, and a father to artist. And if I'll stay in that lane and keep saying yes, I don't have to worry that I'm going in the right direction. Anything else beyond that, I'm on my own, no matter how good intentions I might have, you know? Yeah, yeah, wow. Boy, I love everything about that. How? So tell me about design. Where, where does it, because you used that word a couple of times. Where did, where did you, how'd you figure out like your design? Well, there's a teaching that I really have embraced in my life that, uh, about redemptive gifts and um, just this idea that, which is a whole nother 
you know, ball of wax, but this idea that, you know, there are seven attributes of the Lord and uh, in the Bible based on the seven days of creation, the set there, every list of seven in the Bible actually relates to one of the redemptive gifts. And um, so there's, you know, servant, teacher, giver, prophet, exhorter, servant, different ones. And for me, um, so I had some, I had a lot of teaching on that and studied it a lot myself, but I realized that I was um, an exhorter and prophet and uh, redemptive gift. And those, that gifting has strengths and has weaknesses, you know, it has maturity and immaturity yeah. um, in it. And I just started noticing areas of uh, design in my life that were way beyond personality, but like, these are like core core parts of myself that I'm, that are not going to change just as like a personality test. These are core to who I am. And um, as I started learning that and then learning how to mature in those, all of a sudden I started seeing again, more of the Lord coming through me and, um, and coming into my life and able to, it's, it's like Matthew 25, you know, faithful with little ruler over much. And so for me, it became just like in, you know, in art and in business, you have to learn the techniques of, how to turn the knobs in order to get the machine to work. I started to learn how to turn the knobs in my own heart of mm. what do I need to do to, to live in a way that serves the design that God's designed me with. And what are some of the pitfalls that I need to watch out for with somebody with my design and specifically immature parts of my design. Yeah. I, and uh, that was really, really revolutionary. I just happened to learn that at the same time that I was walking through um, some significant inner healing in my life. And the Lord was working through a lot of the traumatic kind of stuff that I was going through because, because things that I thought were, were like, you know, this is a bad part of me, like my performance anxiety and, and love for people and, you know, wanting to be in the front and the leader and that sort of thing. It was actually just an immature expression of mm. a gifting that God had put in my life. My God had put a, a desire in my life to lead people, to speak, to, to be bright and shiny. That's part of my design. And yet, if that's not under the lordship of Jesus and yes. <laughs> submitted to his authority in my life and come into maturity, then it can absolutely take you off the rails, which it had done in my life. So I started seeing, oh, this is not a, a good, bad thing. This is a mature versus immature thing. And if I can take these parts of me and uh, and yield them to the Lord, then those things that have become weaknesses actually are probably strengths that the Lord wants to just bring into maturity in my life. So. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's the whole process, right? Is trying to become mature, striving for maturity or allowing, sometimes that's just time. Sometimes we just yeah. have to, maturity takes time, but uh, yeah, boy, I love, I love what you said there. That is so right on. I think we get so hung up a lot on this is our, you know, or this, you know, people trying to do the thing, and without, whether it's pastoring or like, there's all these things, right. But, or teaching when really it's just what, how God's made them. And you, we need to just kind of set them free. I'm so convinced that there's so many people in the church with gifts that we just haven't unleashed, that we just need to, to, to help. Like that's, the, this should be the role of our pastor. Every, every pastor see well, the gift and bring it to the Bible equip the saints for their work of ministry. Yeah. Their work of ministry is not always very rarely. In fact, is in the context of the church. Right. I mean, you know, I would, that's what I tell artists all the time. I'm like, listen, your art and your creativity should absolutely and can bless the church. 
but it's for the marketplace. Wow. And, and if you're looking at the church as the end all be all expression of the, the spiritual gifting that God's given you, you are entirely missing the boat. You're di- and, and, you, and in that, you will find so much frustration because the thing that God's put in you is not able to come out in all of its fullness, is limited by this organizational thing that we know is the church instead of allowing us to be the church in the marketplace and allow that to our lives to be signs and wonders so that we become the attractors of people that now we're bringing people into yeah. the church by the very thing that God's doing in and through our life. Boy. Okay. I love that. That is fantastic. That's yes, yes, yes. So that's what I wanted to talk to. That's why I wanted to talk to you. Cause I knew I could just tell from some of your stuff that that's your, that's your view. And I wholeheartedly believe it, man, friends, I don't know what your gift is. I don't know if it's, if it's mature or not, but boy, if you've got some some developing to do, ask the Lord to to lead you in that. I call I mentioned this earlier. I call this finding yourself in Christ. Right, that is yeah. it because He's made you for something, and your job is to go and figure out what it is and do it the best, the very best that you can. I love that. Yeah. Amen. Okay, so how did you end up starting your membership and kind of becoming? You told us how you sort of got revealed that you were going to become the sort of father to artist. Well, how'd you go about that? So I got given that art gallery and um, is that a word got given? I don't know. I'm from the South, so <laughs> it is in the South. Know. Everything's word it in the South. South so. <laughs> That's like Mike could. I might could. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so we got this gallery and we started doing these things on Saturday nights and I started realizing that, oh my gosh, there are tons, like every creative person I know is a lot more worse off than I am as far as <laughs> being wounded and fearful and anxious and shame and, all this junk. And, and, and all of a sudden the Lord starts showing me, Matt, this, these last 10 years of junk that you've been walking through, guess what? Now I'm, I'm using that so that you can begin to turn and walk with others in the same journey. That small group and the lessons that were taught there became uh, the basis for my first book, Unlocking the Heart of the Artist, which was really the one of the first books that talked about the idea of prophetic art, that God wanted to use our creativity um, as a, you know, as a transformational tool and culture. Also that God wanted to raise up an army of artists, you know, not just more talented people, but really sons and daughters who were healed and whole in their identity. Um, that book, uh, for whatever reason, the Lord just chose to take that book all over the world. And that ended up, you know, I started speaking all over the place and traveling and, and that sort of thing. And it was interesting because as that was growing, my art career was growing as well. I was really beginning to to come into some notoriety. My business was growing and I was in this really weird place of like, well, I don't want to be the guy that's just talking about creativity, like at church and speaking at conferences and all this sort of thing. Cause I mean, I was in like in Australia and Germany and UK and all of America. I mean, I was like going everywhere with this message of God's raising up an army of artists. And, um, so my wife and I just, you know, in prayer, like, Lord, we know that you've not called us to lose our family and, and not do art, but at the same time, be out there proclaiming this message. How does this work together so that our family is whole and, and walking in a beautiful place? And at the same time, I'm creating and teaching out of real life experience and all that. And so um, we just cried out to the Lord. He began to show me just this online kind of way to do it back in 2016. And so we started out and um, I started out with some webinars online. And then that turned into within about six months, 
turned into me launching a, um, a membership. And that membership started out with just a few people. Now we're at just about 1,300 members um, all over the world. Um, it, it has been the most incredible thing. We've our, All of our conferences sell out, six wow. books now. My podcast just crossed a half a million downloads. I mean, it's like this incredible thing that God's doing, this movement. But the membership is really the core of where I spend most of my time because it's it's the best vehicle that I have to be able to pour into people on a regular basis. Um, and funny enough, I always said I'd never start a church, and I think we did. I think we started a mega church for, <laughs> for artists online. We've got almost a hundred small group leaders uh, in our in the mem- membership program, and we've got people all over the world. It's just crazy what God's doing. But the, listen, the level of the thing that makes me excited is that the level of tangible, uh, provable, measurable transformation in people's lives is exponentially happening faster than anything I ever saw in overt ministry and anything that I've ever seen in regular churches. It is like incredible what the Lord's doing. And I think he's using this model as a forerunner for, for what he wants to do in, in discipleship and in helping people come into maturity. Now, again, spiritually, artistically, and in business, which is really my passion of bringing all that together. Yeah. hundred percent. Wow. I love that. I do think it's true. I think God's using, uh, he's going to use the ability of the internet to bring people together and kind of break the molds. I think we definitely need the mold of the church as it is to be broken. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's, that is amazing. Okay. Uh, Matt, I, I love that. I feel like I could talk to you for a long time because, uh, you know, my, uh, you know, my heart, I, I, part of my journey now is just embracing myself as an artist, you know, like and being, being an artist and being, and being like, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. Um, you know, how can people find you, your, your websites? I've got your website. It's uh Matt, Tommy mentoring. I'll link that in the show notes at halfway there podcast.com. But, uh, you know, anything you want to leave us with? Yeah, I just think that, you know, wherever you are on your journey, realize that your normal is probably, it probably pales in comparison to what God actually has planned for you. And if, if you can come to the point in your life of saying, you know what, I, God, I, I believe that there's more. I don't know how to get to the more, but I believe that you want more. Would you begin to give me desire and vision toward that? Would you begin to show me how the kingdom works so that I can begin to align my heart with uh, not just the religious idea of what you want from me, but really what you designed me for, for the very creation of the earth, so that I can uniquely be the person that you called me to be. And that that will change your life. It will mess you up. It will mess up your normal. And it's, <laughs> it's going to be awesome because I promise you, you will, you will, the Lord will lead you into this into this beautiful season of convergence and use your life in an incredible way. And, and and the thing that we have talked about as being the good news will actually be good news oh. in your life because you'll be living out of the place that God designed you. Wow. What if you could live out of the way that God designed you? Yes, yeah. yes, and amen. That's what I've been pursuing. Friends, don't don't just get part of the gospel. Don't get fire insurance. Go yeah. get it all because the gospel is for today and not just for Sunday. I love it. Matt, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. Absolutely. No